Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. So get ready, because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. Sorry about that. I had to reset my mic. Welcome back to another edition of the Max McGuire Show. Um, thanks for everyone for joining us today. I'm going to talk about something that some other shows, other commentators, pundits have talked about in recent weeks. I didn't touch it when it started first coming out because I didn't believe that monkeypox would ever become a, a truly global pandemic. Uh, I didn't believe that, that the powers that be would use monkeypox as an excuse to drive us into new lockdown. Some people did, some shows outlets did. I just didn't touch it said, let's wait and see. I'm not an epidemiologist, though I do sometimes play one on TV. But as we're watching this, this disease, one thing is becoming completely clear. The hypocrisy of public health experts has now become irredeemable. I cannot imagine how any of these people could possibly still hold their jobs, their titles, their offices, given how they have responded to this disease. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, monkeypox is a disease. It is very similar, though not identical. It's similar to smallpox, similar enough that a smallpox vaccine will actually give you some protection against this disease. It is a disease that is believed to jump from animals to humans and known to spread through close human contact. Known to spread through close human contact. It originated, people believe, in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, Get more on that a little bit a bit later, um, but it has since started spreading around the world. Now I want to make it absolutely clear: monkeypox is not a disease that you get based on your sexual orientation, your race. Anyone can get monkeypox. What is clear through the data, however, is that a startling number of these cases are happening at gay bathhouses. They're being linked to gay bathhouses, gay sex parties gay raves, gay pride events to the point where their world health officials are now trying to study where these outbreaks are coming from. And they're looking at pride festivals, pride festivals in particular. And that shouldn't come as a real surprise to anyone. Um, it, it shouldn't. It, these are events where people have close contact with other people um, in, in kind of disgusting ways. It shouldn't come as a surprise, but we know from the data that this disease is spreading through these kinds of events. So you would think it would be very easy to curtail the spread of this disease, given how the WHO, how the CDC has used its power to stop the spread of COVID-19. They, we know what their, what their game plan is. Shut the events down, lock the events down, make it illegal to go to these events, to gather at these events, to stop the spread. But what you will notice is there are no public health officials calling for pride events, pride parades, gay sex parties, gay bathhouses to close, to shutter. Not one. To the point where organizers across Europe, this is uh, from the Telegraph, just out uh, this week, organizers from, from Europe are saying that pride events should go ahead despite the monkeypox outbreak. So I want to talk about this because the hypocrisy from these people is truly stunning. I mean, we knew that they would do this. We knew that they have they have a soft spot 
for liberal causes. It's the same reason why, and we'll get to this in a bit, why it was haram. It was forbidden to go and protest at your state capital against the lockdowns. But the minute that George Floyd was shot, it was acceptable to protest in the name of Black Lives Matter. We've known that this hypocrisy has existed for a while, but with a disease that is so obviously spread through close physical contact, with a disease that the data now shows is spreading at these kinds of events, to hear the people who claim to be public health experts just refuse to even weigh in on it. Actually, they didn't refuse to weigh in on it. They've actually said it should go ahead as planned. It's worth talking about. It's worth talking about. This article in particular got me really scratching my head. It says, blaming, quote, blaming gay men for monkeypox will harm everyone, end quote. Now, I don't blame gay men for monkeypox. I don't. And, and I don't harbor any hate in my heart towards anyone based on their beliefs, based on who they are. Now, I, I do harbor some disdain towards people based on their actions, what they do. But just as a basis, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in the basic concept of non-discrimination. Right. I think that there are few things as terrible as as discriminating against someone because of who they are. Now, what they do is a different is a different situation entirely. Right. But just who they are, what they believe should never be the basis of any form of discrimination at all. Period. Full stop. With that said. I think it is very interesting that these health officials are more concerned about what will happen if gay men are blamed for monkeypox than what will happen if these events are allowed to spread monkeypox. This blaming gay men for monkeypox will harm everyone. Sub, uh, subheading, lessons from HIV, AIDS, and SARS-CoV-2 for harm reduction. And I am not against people learning from their mistakes. I want to get this out there right at the bat. Lots of Lots of mistakes. Were made, And many of them weren't mistakes. Many of them were intentional. Public policy mistakes were made. Uh, absolutely. In COVID-19. In, in the public response to it. I alleged that from the very beginning. I have nothing wrong with people learning from their mistakes. But I do not think this is that. I do not think that this response is them learning from their mistakes. I think that this is just more of politics being injected into public policy. So let's read a couple of snippets from this article. Quote, gay men socialize in intimate ways in large groups, at saunas, at raves, and at conferences like International Mr. Leather. All of them at, right now are at risk for HIV, SARS-CoV-2, and monkeypox. Though, it says, perhaps some group immunity from monkeypox because, quote, daddies, end quote, over the age of 50 may have had a smallpox vaccine as a child, Though the effectiveness decades later is unknown. They often travel long distances between such gatherings, increasing the possibility any of these viruses might travel with them. I'm not going to get into what daddies are. I don't really know what daddies are. I, I can imagine what daddies are. I just want to say, though, I, I, I know a lot of, I know a fair number of gay people. I, I was involved in musical theater growing up. I almost went to college for musical theater. Yeah, I know. Shocker. Um, you can't go through musical theater through grade school through high school and even into college i was singing in acapella groups and what and whatnot you cannot be involved in the performance arts and not know gay people now many of them realize they're gay later on um some of my closest friends growing up were gay and i i have no hatred sustained some of my closest friends now are even are even gay i have no problem with that 
I do not know gay people who fit this description. I know they exist. Obviously, they exist. Um, I, I think it's really terrible <laughs> that it's trying to paint that entire uh, sexual orientation with that broad of a brush that they socialize in intimate ways in large groups. That is a subset. It is absolutely a subset. But they're, just, they're saying all oh, gay men do this. An international mis- Mr. Leather. Again, I don't know what that is at all. And I don't want to know what that is. Rather than listening to public health experts, this article claims, quote, another group of experts that should be listened to are the are gay men. We need to give people the safest ways to gather together before gatherings are driven underground. People need to gather to celebrate marriages, congratulate graduates, eat to eat and have sex outside if necessary. While this is a guiding principle, facilitating such connection with different kinds of viruses will require modified approaches, especially when dealing with highly transmissible viruses like SARS-CoV-2 or monkeypox. Celebrate marriages, understand it. Absolutely understand it. Celebrating graduations, absolutely. Going out to eat, absolutely. You have to support your local business. On the hierarchy of what kind of activities should be protected, if any activities are to be deemed essential, on the hierarchy of what activities would be deemed essential, group sex would be at the very bottom of that. I'm sorry, it, it just is. I mean... Can you imagine anything lower on the list of priorities from a public health point of view than group sex parties, gay sex parties? I cannot to even put them in the same category as celebrating a marriage or they didn't say it, but something like going to church. You can see you can see the approach that they're taking to this article. Next part. Quote, how do you stop transmission of a casually transmitted virus moving among despised populations? Despised, that's their words, not mine. Who live in what this author calls in their forthcoming book, a viral underclass, without creating stigma and harming public health. Well, no. You can stop the transmission of casually transmitted viruses by stopping the events. I mean, that's that's their whole thing, right? That's the public health experts playbook. If there's a virus and if it's spreading, you stop, you cut off the means for that virus to spread by outlawing the events. That is not even on the agenda. That's not even a potential, a potential possibility. But you see, this author is more worried about the stigma and harm to public health that can be done by canceling pride events. I can't, I cannot imagine how canceling pride events would harm public health. And there's one quote from a Harvard epidemiologist, Julia Marcus, who says that health, quote, is not simply the absence of disease, end quote. Pleasure and connection are important in a healthy life, as is the mitigation of pathogens. Now, the group sex part aside, this is something I, basic concept I have been advocating for years since the start of this pandemic been advocating that public health is not just whether or not they get the virus or not. Public health includes fighting back against things like suicides. There was a huge spike in suicides. I believe to this day, there are still counties in this country that lost more people to suicide than died from uh, COVID-19. I believe so. It's, It's fewer in numbers now that things have opened back up. But there are many, many counties around the country where they had more suicides from the lockdowns than they did have COVID-19 fatalities. Look at children, the harm to children's mental health, development, 
by kicking them out of schools, right? It does, it does unfixable damage. So in that respect, I agree with this Harvard epidemiologist, Julia Marcus, that just stopping the disease from spreading isn't public health, right? I just do not believe that gay sex parties, gay raves, gay pride events fit into that. Like if you, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about people's spiritual health, being able to go to church without being arrested, right? Or as we saw in New York in Judaism, being arrested for having a funeral. Talk about things like that. Gay sex parties, I would leave out. But this got me digging a little bit into Julia Marcus because it, it seldom do I find public health officials. Well, this isn't a public health official. She's a, she works at Harvard. She's a professor at Harvard. So a health official. Seldom do I find health officials these days that I agree with that are allowed to have social media accounts. Most of the people that I agree with have been long since kicked off the traditional social media platforms. So I was able to find Julia Marcus on Twitter and at first red flag, she has pur purple hair. So that was setting me off. I was set, I don't, not discriminating, just reevaluating re my expectations for what I'm going to see. That's fine. People can have purple hair. She's an infectious disease epidemiologist, a social prof associate professor at Harvard Med, HIV prevention and researcher. And she goes by she, her. Don't want to, don't want to misgender her. That would be terrible. So she comes from this HIV background, which is under understandable. She would take this approach if she comes from an HIV background, which is kind of interesting because Fauci does the same. I mean, HIV, you look at the HIV epidemic, there were lots of things done wrong and it led to stigmatizing the gay community, drug users. Lots of people grew up believing that you could only get HIV if you were gay or if you used drugs. It's not true. It's not true. So I understand why she's coming from this, this totality approach, looking at public health as a whole rather than just whether the disease is present or not. So I, I started listening to a few of her lectures, a few of her um, appearances on podcasts, and there are a couple that I wanted to play for you. Um, this, is a, this is a little bit hypocritical because she obviously wants Pride events to go on now. But back in, I think this was 2020, she was telling people to avoid public gatherings at all costs, if you can. Let's go ahead and play this. Cut number seven. Another thing you can do, um, we want to generally avoid crowds. So if it's if you're able to take public transit off peak hours, that's another way to, to reduce your risk. Um, so, uh, and I, I did just see this um, study out of Japan suggesting that maybe public transit isn't as much of a concern as we would think because people are not generally talking. Um, so that there's um, potentially less droplet transmission than, um, than you would expect um, in, let's say, a church setting where people are singing. Ah, um, there it but is. I, I think in general, those, those key points oh. of masks and, um, you know, trying to, to be off peak hours to minimize your exposure to crowds are going to help you. So there it is. There it is. She doesn't agree with churches because there's too much singing in churches. But this person now is okay with pride events where there is minimal clothing being worn at many of these parades and festivals and raves where there is lots of, let's just call them droplets. There's lots of droplets being had. Sure, call them droplets. Interesting. I mean, I agree with her now. I don't know how much of that is she held this belief towards some people and not others. 
but it's very, I, I use this word a lot, interesting. And interesting has a lot of different definitions for me. Um, I, it can be ironic, it can be hypocritical. It's a little hypocritical here that two years ago she was saying avoid crowds, avoid the droplets, and here she is encouraging encouraging these kind of pride events to go on in the name of public health. <sighs> There's another clip. This one I actually agree with a little bit, and she and she actually defends, doesn't, doesn't defend, she is against conservatives. But what she does in, I didn't clip this one, I don't think, is she defends conservatives from this kind of binary approach to public health. Do this, stay inside or you're killing grandma. That's a binary approach to public health. Let's go ahead and play this, listen to what she has to say about it. So I want to give some examples um, just from what we're all living through right now. Starting with this idea of risk being either a binary or a spectrum. Um, I think the binary messaging really started in March with good reason at the time, um, telling people to, to just stay home. And there, there was not a, 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 any kind of spectrum of risk provided at that point. It was really just stay home, save lives. And that has evolved over time appropriately. Um, but I think we still see a lot of binary messaging, it kind of in, uh, almost one intervention at a time, masks, testing, you know, the, just one thing after another, I think we, we tend to think in these um, dichotomies. And I think what's helpful is thinking about this more as a spectrum so that people can, can really conceptualize, okay, that's the highest risk thing that I need to avoid. But if I do engage in that high risk activity, what are ways that I can reduce my risk? If I, if I do have that indoor party, what, what can I do? And, and maybe actually, once you start to see this spectrum, you can think, oh, I, I really need to interact with people. And now I can see ways that I can do that that are safer, that are not zero risk, let's say outdoor gatherings, um, but much safer than indoor gatherings. And all that towards the end is fair. Now, the, the bit where she says <laughs> earlier on that the binary choice, stay home, save lives. If you don't stay home, you're killing people. She said it was justified at the time. It was never justified. Um, at all. It was never justified. But I mean, I wish there were public health officials like her out in the forefront in March of 2020. Just imagine how the world would have been different if there were public health officials saying this. Now, that would require them to put politics aside, to put their political interests aside, which I don't think it's possible for many of these people to do. But we would live in a very different world if this was the conversation happening back then. The fact that the same people who locked us down are now the ones saying you can't close pride events because that would harm public health. When these are events that are being identified through actual research as vectors of transmission for a disease, monkeypox, that is actually more deadly than COVID-19. Hypocrisy. Irredeemable hypocrisy. But let's keep going. So I, I, I can't even believe we have to talk about this, but Reuters put out their own kind of fact check. They said, quote, monkey pox spread, no reason to shun pride parades. And they quoted the WHO. That is the narrative that Reuters and many news organizations are now putting out this week. Just because these events have been linked to a spread to a disease, uh, the spread of a disease that does have some similarities to smallpox and is very dangerous, doesn't mean we should shun them or shut them down. No, we have to let them keep going. We'll do a quick flashback. Quick flashback to 2020. This is how they reported on the protests in Michigan. Reuters on the protests in Michigan 
Headline, Michigan governor calls on protesters to avoid unsafe demonstrations. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer on Monday pleaded for residents of her state to refrain from holding more demonstrations protesting the coronavirus-related shutdown because of the need to follow guidelines designed to contain the spread of the virus. They then proceeded to list how many people have died in Michigan. Again, to reinforce this idea that you shouldn't be protesting, that is dangerous, that spreads the virus, shouldn't be protesting. That's what they said for protests in Michigan against the virus. Well, let's go to... The summer of 2020, Black Lives Matter, they did a fact check. Did events like protests and bars, bar reopenings, lead to spikes in COVID-19 cases? I'm not going to bury the lead. They blamed bars for spreading COVID-19. What they did not blame, you see right here, was Black Lives Matter protests. They said thousands of people, quote, thousands of people took to the streets across the U.S. beginning in late May to join Black Lives Matter protests against police brutality. Protesters also marched to support the movement in cities in Europe and Asia, prompting concerns of surges in new coronavirus cases. Public health experts say there is not yet to be conclusive evidence of large-scale spread from these events. The protests were outdoors in a very large area, said Dr. Maybeth Sexton, Assistant Director of Infectious Diseases at Emory University. Sexton noted, quote, a lot of attempts at masking, distance, hand sanitizing during the protests that also helped prevent transmission. BS. BS. Come on. Uh, we, we saw these protests. They were shoulder to shoulder. The protests. I'm talking about the riots. There was no social distancing for the riots. But even just the protests, that was absolutely a vector of transmission. If you're saying that meeting in crowds spreads, if you're saying that shouting, singing, spreads it, that would have spread it. But as you remember at the time, health officials refused to admit that. This is an exchange. This is an exchange between Jim Jordan and Anthony Fauci, which you'll probably remember, where Anthony Fauci refuses to condemn the protests that are spreading the virus. Let's go ahead and play this. Test increased the spread of the virus. Do protests increase the spread of the virus? Uh, I think I can make a general statement. Well, half a million protesters on June 6th alone, yeah. I'm just asking, that number of no. people, does yeah. it increase the spread of the virus? Cra crowding together, particularly when you're not wearing a mask, contributes to the spread of the virus. Should we limit the protesting? I, I'm not sure what you mean. Should How do we say limit the protesting? Should the government limit the protesting? I, I, I don't think that's relevant to... Well, you just said if it increases the spread of the virus, I'm just asking, should we limit it? Well, I'm, I'm not in a position to determine what the government can do in a forceful way. Well, you make all kinds of recommendations. You, no. you make comments on dating, on baseball, on everything no. you can imagine. I'm just asking, you just said it, yeah. that protests increase the spread. No. I'm just asking, you, should we try to limit the protests? No, I think I would leave that to people who have more of an, a, a position to do that. I can tell you. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci? Yeah. Last week in the Calvary Chapel case, five liberals on the Supreme Court said it was okay for Nevada to limit church services. Governor, I, I mean, Justice Gorsuch said it best. He said, there's no, there's no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. I'm just asking, is there a world where the Constitution says you can favor one First Amendment liberty protesting right. over another practicing your faith? I'm not favoring anybody over... It just keeps going. And you can see the... He has... He is just as uncomfortable as Judge Jackson was when they asked her to define what a woman is. 
You see, he knows, he knows what the answer is. He knows that for months he had said, do not gather in large groups. He understands the glaring hypocrisy of turning a blind eye, or in some cases, encouraging the very same kind of protest that you demonized just weeks earlier. He understands that, but he is terrified of saying it. For anybody, I'm just making a statement that's a broad statement that avoid crowds of any type, no matter where you are, because that leads to the acquisition and transmission. And I don't judge one crowd versus another crowd. When you're in a crowd, particularly if you're not wearing a mask, that induces it's a, it's the a simple, It's a simple question, doctor. Should we limit the protest? Government is obviously yeah. lim limiting people yeah. going to church. And, and look, I, I'm there's, not been gonna... no, there's been no violence that I, I yeah. can see at church. I haven't seen people yeah. during a church service go out and, and harm police officers right. or burn buildings. But we know that. I mean, for 63 days, right. nine weeks, it's been happening in Portland. Right. Yeah. Well, one night in Chicago, 49 officers were injured. But no limit to, pro no limit to protests. But, boy, you can't go to church on Sunday. What was this? Uh, I don't know how many times I can answer that. I'm not going to opine on limiting any. So he's not going to opine. But we all know that Fauci opined on everything. As Jim Jordan mentioned at the time, he opined on whether or not you could go to a baseball game safely. And infamously, after Anthony Fauci threw out one of the worst first pitches in Major League Baseball history, he then sat in the crowd next to people without wearing a mask. It was an empty crowd. Not the crowd. That's the stands because there was no crowd. It couldn't be a crowd. It's just him and his friends sitting there without masks on. I mean, we know what the, we, we see the hypocrisy. We know the hypocrisy. It's just pretty stunning that when you have the data like this showing that these kinds of events where you have men and women and people who believe they're somewhere in between, barely clothed, spreading the droplets to borrow the epidemiologist term, you know that that is spreading a disease that has an uncomfortably larger fatality rate than COVID-19. But no, those have to go on. Those have to go on. It's the point now where the CDC has put out new guidance, quote, guidance on how to respond to the, these outbreaks of monkeypox at gay events. Guidance. I posted this on my Telegram last night. People must have been sharing it somewhere because it went, it got tons of views. Um, and I didn't know at the time that, that the CDC has actually put out a poster. This is a, I, I swear, this is a real poster. I, when I first heard this, I thought it was fake. I had to do research and I said, oh, wow, it's real. This is the CDC's poster. And it's, and the title is, quote, how to have sex if you have monkeypox, end quote. So we saw this during COVID when New York City put out, <laughs> put out uh, guidance warning that, that not to do certain things, right? If you're worried about contracting COVID-19, this guidance though from the CDC isn't based on whether you're worried someone might have it or you might get it. This guidance is, quote, how to have sex if you have monkeypox, end quote. They're not even telling them to abstain if you know you have it. They're not even saying, hey, abstain. Hey, don't spread it. Whatever happened to, oh, if you don't wear a mask, you're killing grandma. Wouldn't we love some of that logic here? I mean, with the masks, it was the presumption that everyone was, was somehow secretly infected. There's no asymptomatic monkeypox. 
it it presents itself with pustules, with blisters. Very noticeable. They are not even recommending that you abstain until you beat monkeypox. They are telling you how you can still have these encounters even if you have monkeypox. This is a CDC poster. This is real. They say try virtual sex. They say masturbate six feet apart. So there's that social distancing. Wash your hands. No kissing. And wear clothes. And then they have someone uh, wearing a huge rash. Rubbing a rash. Not, hey, stay home. Hey, not, hey, maybe skip the pride, the, the gay rave. Or maybe don't go to the, the bathhouse. Or don't go to the group sex party if you have monkeypox. Here's how to go have a good time. Just stay sick, be apart. It's insanity. This is insane. These are the same people. These are the same people that said your kid couldn't go to school. Your kid couldn't go to school, even though the data showed that children were not a vector, a significant vector for transmission. They said your children couldn't go to school. Those same officials are now saying if you are gay and you have monkeypox, you can still engage in some kind of coitus as long as you are safe about it. A disease that, the last time I looked, has a higher fatality rate, case fatality rate, than COVID-19. And here is that actual written guidance. How do you lower your risk? They're treating this. <laughs> I mean, these are the same people who advocated to decriminalize the intentional spread or the knowing spread of HIV AIDS in California. It used to be a crime. If you knew you had AIDS and you engaged in certain sexual behaviors where there was a high degree that it would spread, that used to be criminal. It's not anymore. It was decriminalized. It's insanity. Yeah. Six feet apart. Limit your number of partners to avoid monkeypox to spread. So if you have monkeypox, you can have one partner. Think twice about having two or three because that's going to make it spread even faster. I mean, right there, <laughs> it should be limit your partners to zero. If you have any kind of communicable disease, you should limit your, your just <laughs> random sex partners to zero. Just in general, but at least until you get better. These are the same people that locked us down. Same people that locked us down are now saying monkeypox positive gay people can still go to the bathhouses. It's insane. I mean, this is this to me is so much worse than Fauci being the stuttering mess about Black Lives Matter. Because Fauci never would have said, if you know you have COVID, Go and protest. Just protest in a certain way to make sure that you minimize the spread. Go to one protest, not two. Social distance. No, they, they never would have told COVID positive people to go. Right? This to me is so much worse. So, so much worse. And the WHO has already weighed in on it. WHO has declared that you should not cancel a single Pride event. You should not restrict travel in and out of your country to major Pride events. Because that would be bad. This is from European Pride putting out this, which is a World Health Organization quote from June 10th. It says, quote, we are not recommending 
cancellation of events or travel restrictions. As we enter the summer season of festivals, large gatherings and parties, it is what people do at these events that matters. As mentioned, monkeypox needs close physical contact between people, so it is not readily transmitted. We encourage safe sexual behavior and good hygiene, like regular hand washing, to help limit transmission of the virus. Summer festivals can be good opportunities to reach out to specific population groups with good public health messaging. I don't want to get grotesque. I don't want to get grotesque on this show. I don't. But can we just call a spade a spade here? When you're recommending that COVID positive, that monkeypox positive gay men or gay women can still have group sex experiences. I don't think, I don't think wash your hands is going to do that. Is going to fix that. Right. I mean, if, if you know what happens at these gay sex parties, at these gay bathhouses, I think we're beyond the point of wash your hands. Maybe wash other parts, but I think we're beyond that. I think we're far beyond it. So I'll just make sure you make sure you sing your ABCs as you wash your hand. Plenty of soap under hot water. Sing your ABCs. Just make sure we're so far beyond that. No amount of hand washing can stop what's happening at these events. It's unbelievable. The New York Times put out an article. The New York Times put out an article that says, uh, let, let me just read it so you can, you can see what it says. This was yesterday. Quote, Grindr, the social networking app, sent a pop-up message about the risk of monkeypox to millions of European and American users. A sex party organizer in New York asked invitees to check themselves for lesions before showing up. And the organizers of the city's main pride celebrations posted a monkeypox notice Sunday on their Instagram accounts. Why are they listing this? Because it is their belief that it should be self-policed. It is their belief that government should not get involved in this at all. It is good enough for the organizers of group sex parties just to say, hey, just look for lesions. Just look for lesions. I mean, imagine if that logic was here in 2020. You can go to church, just maybe don't if you have a cough, maybe don't if you have a fever. But no, that's not what we got in 2020. What we got in 2020 was people being arrested, not just for going to church. There were people arrested for sitting in church parking lots and listening to sermons over the radio from inside. Yes, that happened. And yet here we are with New York Times saying, oh, leave it to social media. Social media pop-up warning, that's enough. Oh, just, just check yourself. Check yourself for lesions. We trust you. It's insanity. And the Washington Post coming in, worried about what they call the monkeypox dilemma. How to warn gay men about risk without fueling hate. Well, no, it, it's actually very simple. We know that this spreads and we know that it can spread. Listen, it can spread to gay and straight people alike. It's not just a gay disease, but we know for whatever reason it is spreading in these pride events. And we know there are people who are going from event to event to event, bathhouse to bathhouse, sex party to sex party. We know they're spreading it. And the Washington Post, with all this data, with all this data says, oh, we don't want to fuel hate. That would be the worst. The worst thing out of all this. Forget about the spread of a disease so similar to smallpox that the smallpox vaccine works. No, forget about that. It's hate. Hate is what we're really worried about. And if you even point out that, hey, 
given everything you did to us, and this isn't a this isn't a tit for tat. This isn't a hey, you did it to us, so do it to you. I'm just trying to figure out when it changed. I'm just trying to figure out when it changed because if there was another outbreak of COVID right now, I guarantee you the same liberal states would shut down churches again, but they would let Black Lives Matter protests go. They would let this go. So we have to talk about the hypocrisy here, but no, they're worried about hate. Hate is the worst part. No, to me, the disease that's uncomfortably similar to smallpox that spreads through the droplets seems like it's a much bigger worry at the events where there is uh, a plethora of droplets. Just leave it at that. It really is unbelievable. But you can see that they're worried. They're worried about hate. They're worried about violating the rights. And listen, as long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as you do what you want, do what you want in the comfort of your bedroom, fine. I don't care, right? When you start hurting other people, that then I get, I get worried. Then I get a little aggravated. It's very clear from a public health perspective, these events are dangerous. It's obvious. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It's very obvious. But now they're, wor now they're worried about rights. Now they're worried about liberties, about privileges. I want to flashback a couple years ago when New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy was on Tucker Carlson and he was asked a similar question. When you implemented these lockdowns, did you even think about liberties? And his response at the time, I'm sure you remember it, but I'll play it again to remind you, was startling even for me having grown up in New Jersey and understanding how radical Jersey Democrats are. It even surprised me that he would say the quiet part out loud. Let's play it. So um, you made that decision, and as I noted before, 15 congregants at a synagogue in New Jersey were arrested and charged for being in a synagogue together. Now, the Bill of Rights, as you well know, protects Americans' right, enshrines their right to practice their religion as they see fit and to congregate together to assemble peacefully. By what authority did you nullify the Bill of Rights in issuing this order? How do you have the power yeah, to we do were, that? That's above my pay grade, Tucker. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. We went to all, first of all, we looked at the data well, and tell. the science and it says. Well, I can tell. No, it's not above your pay grade. When you are the governor of a state, that is your pay grade. You swear that oath. You put your hand on the Bible. You raise your right hand and you swear to uphold the Constitution, defend your citizens' rights. To say it's above his pay grade, there are, in the state of New Jersey, outside of the federal government, there is no one above him in his pay grade. And I love Tucker Carlson's response. Well, I, I, know, I know you didn't care about it. Then versus now. Then your rights meant nothing. Your rights meant nothing. For a respiratory virus with a 99.9 something percent survival rate, your rights mean nothing. Monkeypox, I've seen some studies saying monkeypox could have a 1 in 10 case fatality rate. Oh, no, it's like, oh, no, go, go. And if you have the lesions, just be careful. We trust you. We trust you. I mean, what else do you say? What else do you say? Well, the people worried about hate are really interested. I mean, they are more concerned with hate. They are more concerned with stigma than they are with stopping the spread of an actual deadly disease to the point where they are now trying to rename monkeypox. I, I, I kid you not. They are talking about renaming monkeypox. This is, a, this is from Bloomberg headline, quote, 
WHO will rename monkeypox virus to minimize stigma, racism, end quote. Now, I want to say something right off the bat. And I think that this is very obvious. And I mentioned this on my telegram a few days ago. If you hear the word monkeypox and you immediately think of black people, Africans, African-Americans, because you consider them to be somehow synonymous with monkeys, you are the racist. I can tell you, I don't know anyone. I've had lots of conversations about monkeypox. That never comes up. That never comes up. Now, if it was called Africa pox, African pox, that'd be one thing. Sure. I could understand how they'd be worried that you'd think that. Though we do have a a very long history of naming viruses based on where they come from. Not just the China virus, the Wuhan virus, but things like Lyme disease. Comes from Lyme, Lyme, Connecticut. Right? I mean, we name the diseases after where they come from. Not to stigmatize the local population, but just to show where they came from. But if you think monkeypox, if you if you hear monkeypox and you, and you say, wow, that's racist, you are the racist. I'm not saying anyone who typically watches my show, because I know you don't think that way. But if you, if anyone out there, if you hear the word monkeypox and you're and you believe that's racist, spoiler alert, you are the racist. You are the racist. That did not stop, though. All of these scientists. I can't even read their names, but I want to make sure it was all on here. Actually, let me see if I can make it a little bit bigger for you. I'll make it a little bit bigger. Here you go. That didn't stop all these scientists from releasing a letter last week calling for monkeypox to be renamed. And you can see just how many research organizations, how many universities, how many people there are here. The scientific community says, hey, you know, you have to name, you have to rename it. It's racist. It's a disease that has been traced back to jumping from animals to humans, believed to be monkeys to humans, which is why it's called monkeypox. That's like saying, oh, you can't call swine flu swine flu because it would, it would make fun of disgusting pigs. People are piggy. No, we don't want to name it swine flu. You can't name it chicken pox. Can't name it chicken pox anymore because that would be disrespectful to the cowards in our community. People who are chickens. I can't name it chicken pox. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing here. Except the only people making the connection that monkey pox is, is like a black person thing are them. I mean, they, I said it before, I said it again, they are the racists. No one else is talking about this. But here's a statement from the Foreign Press. Foreign Press Association of Africa. Our statement on the images of black people to depict outbreak of monkeypox in Europe and North America. Well, that's bad. If you're a news organization and you need to have a stock image, it's not good to just pull an image of an African person. It's not, it's not good. You could have, you could just pull an image of, of pustules or blisters. You don't have to just show African. I, I agree with that. But where they lose me is the next part. According to the World Health Organization, monkeypox is a zoonotic disease caused by the monkeypox virus, a member of orthopox virus genus of the family Poxviridae. As any other disease, it can occur in any region and affect anyone, regardless of race or ethnicity. As such, we believe that no race or skin complexion should be the face of this disease, which is why they want it changed. Again, if you are saying they need to change the name of the virus 
because you don't want anyone, any skin or complexion to be, <laughs> to be pinpointed. No one's talking about that. Again, those news organizations, that's terrible. Don't just put black people on your pictures just to talk about monkeypox. It's terrible. But other than that, has nothing to do with race at all. And yet that's what they are all prioritizing. I don't know. It's depressing. It's depressing. It's depressing because you know that these people, one, are still in power. These are the same people. The same people who locked you and me down are now saying, oh no, pride events must go on. Even though they know that this is a significant vector of transmission for a much deadlier disease than SARS-CoV-2. In one sense, it is beyond depressing because these people are still in power. And the push to remove these people from power has not been effective yet. But on another end, yes, it's, it's depressing, but it should also motivate you. It should also motivate you. Not, I mean, I don't watch the gay part events. I don't participate. I don't care. I mean, like, as long as you're not marching through my kids' daycare with it right now, as long as you're not trying to indoctrinate anyone with it, just do whatever you want. Just don't be gross. It should, this... Though this whole conversation, from, from an epidemiological perspective, from a public policy perspective, this should light a fire under you, though. Because just like the BLM response was so very different to the Michigan protest response, or being able to go to a restaurant, or celebrate a wedding, or, or have a funeral, or go to church, just like those were so very different responses, this is very clear that in government, in public health, there are the haves and the have-nots. I, I read that quote. I read that quote earlier. Let me see if I can pull it back. I don't want to misquote it. Um, here we go. Here's the quote. This was from that blaming gay men hurts everyone. The question they, they say is, how do you stop transmission of casually transmitted viruses moving among, quote, what this guy calls despised populations? What is very clear, what is very clear is from a public health perspective, there is a such thing as despised populations but not in the same context that that person wrote, that that author wrote. You see, they claim that in this, in this context, gay people are despised population, so therefore public policy has to be extra courteous to them to make sure that we're extra friendly. I mean, that is, that is not a lot different than race-based admissions in universities designed to um, counteract historical uh, racism. Right. I mean, it's not all that different. The idea that, oh, this society, this this group in society is so maligned, so despised that they need a leg up over everyone else. I mean, that is very common in our government and is beyond discriminatory. Truly is. So we know that this is also it, but we also know that they hate us. Right. The same person has said, you go, girl, go that pride event. Also said, no, don't you dare protest outside on the steps of the Capitol building. Same person. No, per, no public official should ever be allowed to put the needs and the wants of one part of the population over the needs and wants of the many. Now, it doesn't mean that you engage in what Alexis de Tocqueville called the tyranny of the majority. That, that's terrible. It's dangerous. That's why we have a republic, not a democracy. But if you're talking about public health, if you're talking about the health of society as a whole, you would think that society would be better off stopping the spread of this deadly virus than ensuring that the half-naked men and women can continue to have the sex parties, the raves, and the parades.
we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do, but that is uh, that is the, the good news. I mean, we, we have seen progress. We have seen progress. I mean, just the health officials admitting that they made mistakes is huge progress, but that doesn't mean we can let our foot off the gas now. We have to continue fighting. We have to continue putting pressure on public officials. And my, this is my call to everyone. If you have a, a medical background, if you're a doctor, if you're a surgeon, look at your local races and ask yourself whether or not you would like to run for something like a county coroner or a public health official um, at the county, usually at the county level, sometimes at the state. These people often run unopposed. They often have been in office unopposed for, for years, if not decades. Look into whether or not you that might be a calling for you because we need good people in these positions. We need strong, good conservatives, people who value constitutional rights and also value public health. We need them desperately because it's very clear. Just look around. There's not many of them there. That's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. I can remind everyone, great gift for Father's Day. Might, might not arrive in time. But a couple days late, great gift for Father's Day, my book, The Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument, available on Apple Podcasts and, uh, sorry, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Those links are in the description. And thank you to everyone who's already purchased. If you have purchased and you've read it and you like it, please do consider leaving a five-star review on Amazon so that I can rise up in those rankings and more people can find me organically. Really would appreciate it. That's going to be it for this edition of The Max McGuire Show. If you like The Max McGuire Show, make sure you subscribe. Audio, podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, iHeart, Podbean, Audible, all great places. Links are in the description. Um, also on Rumble, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, what are you waiting for? Hit the subscribe button and hit the Rumble button. That little plus sign on Rumble, very important. Helps me reach more people organically when you do so. Um, still trying to figure out when the show will air. I kind of like doing one on Monday, doing one on Friday because it gives me the middle of the week to get other work done. Uh, I can, can kind of bookend the week's. Um, that might be what we do. It's probably going to be a two episode a week, uh, at least for the near future. Um, so stay tuned for that. And an audio, the audio podcast is a great way to to stay tuned for that because you will get updates. You will get notifications if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts because it will auto, automatically download. So that's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Remember, the fight to take back our country is not over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. Have a great weekend, everyone.